0: When you go into adoption, it's important to not have huge expectations. The more flexible and willing you are to kind of go with the flow um, is probably the best way to go about it.
1: From Christianity Today, you're listening to Adopting Hope, a podcast about adoptive, foster, and spiritual mothering. I'm Joyce Koo-Dowrable.
0: And I'm Sasha Parker. We're both moms and we're both adoptive moms. And on each episode of our show, you'll hear from a mom and sometimes a dad about their journey in adoption and foster care.
1: Our hope is that this podcast provides hope and encouragement as you hear these stories, whether you're an adoptive, foster, or spiritual mother yourself, an adoptee, or someone who just wants to encourage and love adoptive and foster parents.
0: These stories are all windows into the gospel, the story of a God who adopts us and loves us with a redeeming love and whose love empowers and compels us to extend that love through the unique joys and challenges that come from adoption and foster care.
1: Thanks for tuning in. We pray this encourages you as you listen. And
0: even when our hearts are breaking, even when our souls are shaken, oh, oh got
1: this oh, 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 oh. On today's episode, I get to interview you, Sasha, and welcome you to the show. Thank you for having me. And it's such a joy to be able to get to do this with you. I remember the first time that we met mm-hmm. and you told me the story of yeah. one of your adoptions and I was just blown away. So I'm excited that I
0: get to interview you. Yes. It's such a gift to go back and remember the journey that the Lord has brought our family on and reflect such a blessing. And I love that we called our podcast Adopting Hope,
1: and it ties into what you're going to share with us today and your story, because you've adopted
0: a little girl named Mm -hmm. Hope. That's right. Yes. And she... The Lord brought her into our family in a time where we, we really needed hope, and it's amazing to see how he used this little girl to just bring beauty and really, truly just hope into our family.
1: Well, so our listeners should know a little bit about you before we go into the podcast. You grew up in a family of eight children, and having two adopted siblings on either side of you gave you a heart for adoption at an early age. You have four four biological children, and then you and your husband, Mike, went on to adopt five more, um, one domestic and four international um, from two different countries. So you just have such a wealth of knowledge, experience, and wisdom to share. Where did your heart for adoption come from?
0: It began very early on. I was born into a family that had already adopted, and it just was a part of my everyday So did you know you wanted to adopt from like growing up or did it kind of slowly evolve? I was very aware of adoption as a child. The Lord was really shaping my heart from a very young age, just to be sensitive to other people that maybe were different. And my husband, Mike, and I got married and we had four biological children. And so it really wasn't until after we had our four children that Adoption was on my heart. The Lord didn't put it on Mike's heart at the same time, which is often. That sometimes happens yeah. that way. Yes. So we had four biological children and they were, let's see, they were probably about nine, seven, five and almost three When I just could not stop thinking about adoption, everywhere I went, it seemed like I was running into different families out of the blue, listening to the radio. There's a lot of different conversations going on about adoption. So the Lord started putting it on my heart and the timing was interesting because Mike's father had just passed away recently Mm -hmm. and he just wasn't really at a place where he was even thinking about anything other than just
1: Grieving. Grieving, yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: So it was interesting because I'm finding this theme with adoption that the Lord continues to kind of bring us to these broken places and then we're ready, you know, and then we can kind of identify with this calling.
1: Why do you think that is? Because I feel like similarly, Mm -hmm. I went through a grieving time too. I lost Mm -hmm. my dad shortly before, you know, we started the adoption process Mm -hmm. in our story. So when you say that about like coming to understand our own brokenness, Mm -hmm. I do think it helps us in Mm -hmm. adopting. Why do you think that is for you?
0: You know, I think it's such a tender place, adoption, and even the stories that our children are coming from and really to understand on a deeper level I mean, we can only understand so far where we're not coming from a place of just sympathy, where it's actually empathy, where we can identify with them on a deeper level and, and really not come in as, well, here we are ready to you know save the day. Yeah. I mean, we come in hopefully with humility after we've experienced brokenness mm-hmm. and um really that is the best place to start an adoption is in brokenness with humility so that was kind of where we started and actually dependence too you know so i couldn't just pressure my husband into you know seeing this vision that i had mm-hmm. i had to wait upon the lord and start mm-hmm. you know really getting in the word and becoming a prayer warrior and praying for his heart, for the Lord to speak to him personally. Yeah. And then I think that's when, you know, I had to let go, which the whole journey of parenting and adopting is really about letting go. I mean, yes. we cannot control this. and yes. and um, waiting. I feel like it's yes.
1: waiting for if it's your spouse who's not quite on mm-hmm. the same pace as you and also mm-hmm. waiting in the journey as you're waiting to be matched or Mm -hmm. for the paperwork. Like I just feel like there's so much letting
0: go and right, Yeah. Um. So in that season where I was waiting on the Lord to just work in Mike's heart and, and to do some healing that he needed, the Lord began to bring just really amazing single moms into my life Mm. I was a part of the single moms ministry at church but it also seemed like everywhere I went I was connecting with a single mom and the Lord was really teaching me how to understand on a deeper level what some of these women were going through and they're heroes you know I mean Mm -hmm. they the Mm -hmm. sacrifices that they make for their children on a daily basis it's so powerful so there's this one woman that I got to know and she's had two children and the Lord began to create opportunities for her kids to come over to our house and she was working in retail at this mall that was like 45 minutes away and often her car would break down and so I would gather up our kids and we go and we got to go help Jennifer and so we would oh, so our kids were beginning to kind of catch this vision, too, of having different people in our home mm-hmm. and and really starting to care for them. Because, mm. you know, when you hear about these needs, you know, a, a woman, her car is broken down. She's trying to get to work. You know, it softens your kids' hearts to yes. see, okay, well, other people have other struggles that are yeah. bigger than the ones that I might think are really important. So God was preparing your kids' hearts. He was. Too, yeah. That? So we would have this little boy over to our house often and he was the same age as our daughter Kara at that time. So they were both about eight. And he had a lot of energy and but it was good for our kids to kind of be stretched in different ways. Mm -hmm. But as we were doing this, we were beginning to just see God's heart. And there's this one story where I had just given a couple of our kids a bath and I was, you know, kind of going through their clothes, putting things away, and randomly I just started gathering a little pile of clothes thinking like, you know, I didn't know why I was, I had a new pack of underwear, a new pack of socks. And then i laid out like a t-shirt and a pair of pants and randomly just put them in this pile. Well, the next morning at about five in the morning, I got a phone call from the single mom, Jennifer. And she said, our apartment was on fire last night. Oh, wow. I have no clothes for my son. Do you, do you have anything? And I said, Jennifer, you'll, This is so crazy. I randomly laid out an— It wasn't the right size? It was the right size. I mean, it was just this crazy thing, but it was like witnessing the Father's heart. Mm. And, you know, we got to partake in that. And it was was really beautiful for our kids to be a part of it, too. It was really powerful. And
1: that kind of experience probably shaped your heart even more to— Adopt. I know your first adoption is Mm -hmm. domestic. Yeah. And an open adoption. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit about how you decided to adopt Mm -hmm. domestically with a single mom. Yeah. And how that came about.
0: Yeah. So. The Lord was preparing us through just these different relationships, and then eventually Mike caught the vision, and the Lord worked in his heart, and he was excited about it. So we began the journey together, unified, and we just took the first step, contacting a local agency to do our home study. And we were really open to whatever the Lord wanted. We and we didn't really know if we should do international or domestic. So, we were leaning towards international. And when we met with our social worker for the first time, she said, "You know, we actually do need families in the domestic program," which I was really surprised. This is in 2007. So, she asked if we would consider it, and we just said, sure you know we we had no idea but you know when you first begin your journey you are nervous you don't know what you're doing you you want the safest easiest route because that's just human nature you don't want to have to suffer too much or do you know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you're hoping it'll be fast
0: fast and and just simple. And so, you know, you have to make a profile and the social workers show your profile to different birth moms that are waiting for families. And it was a weird time because you're so nervous and and there's a lot of disappointment because you know that there may be a birth mom looking at your profile Mm -hmm. and they don't choose you or whatever. But so probably after about a year into the process, we did get chosen and the birth mom that chose us wanted a closed adoption. And so we were, you know, that's great. Mm -hmm. So we went and met her and we spent a few hours with her and it was a great connection and she was going to give birth probably like 3 weeks after that time okay after meeting her and so we got everything ready we we even put a name on the wall and we oh. just wanted to just be all in, Mm -hmm. you know, and Mm -hmm. our kids were really excited. So when they told us, you know, we'll give you a call in the morning, you're going to bring the baby home and we'll tell you what time to meet us. And so we did get that call. I remember we were in the baby's room and we had all four of our kids with us and I got the call, but it was very different. The social worker just said, I'm so sorry. There's no hope. The birth mom has changed her mind. And I just remember wow. looking at our children and my husband and thinking, okay, this is really, really sad, heartbreaking. Yeah. Just because we were so excited. And Absolutely. but those words no hope, it was so jarring because those are just two words that you just that don't fit together properly. Yeah. yeah. And obviously in that situation, yes, it was over. Mm-hmm. But no hope is just like, oh yeah. So we, you know, went through the grieving process yes. and with our kids and also the Lord was breaking our hearts. You know, yeah. we needed to understand a little bit on a more personal level what it feels like falling apart. You know, mm-hmm. we needed to we needed to have some more heartbreak before mm. we were really ready, which is not something that you mm. really want, you know. And th- there's confusion that goes on too. Yeah. It almost
1: feels like, you know, kind of like a miscarriage. Yeah. And you were like on the cusp, Mm -hmm. like the call that you were expecting and the call that you ended up getting Mm -hmm. is just like, you're probably in shock. Mm -hmm. You've done all the preparation and all like waiting for a year. Did you feel like it took a while for you all to recover from Mm -hmm. that, to... Start the process again or how yeah, did that go? It did
0: take a little bit of time and you kind of go through the grieving process. Confusion is often a big piece of it. Mm-hmm. Okay, Lord, wait. We I thought, thought we were listening to, yeah, to we what thought you, you were saying. Right. But we left the name up on the wall and we we just felt like, okay, Lord, we don't know what will happen, but if you're just calling us to even be a family to walk with birth moms, we don't know. Maybe we will never adopt. I, you know, we have no idea, but we felt like we were supposed to move forward and just be available again. Mm. And our kids, you know, they were supportive and they wanted to keep moving forward. So, probably about four months later, we got another call that another birth mom had chosen us. And this is our Mia's birth mom, yeah. Amy, who we just love so dearly. Mm. So, We got another call and we were going to go meet Amy at a pancake house with her social worker. And you know, we were so nervous and we went and met Amy Mm -hmm. and she, just from the moment we met each other, there is this really beautiful connection. Mm -hmm. She was really drawn to our family. We found out later that what drew her to our family was in our little profile. I'd put some pictures of Mike, he coached our boys' football teams, and that really stood out to her. That that picture actually, and you never know what's
1: going to like make an impression. Yeah,
0: but I believe there's
1: sometimes it's God orchestrated, right? Yeah. yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. So she was really drawn to that. And later, after we you know finished the meeting with Amy, her social worker called us and said, you know, Amy told me that what really stood out about you guys was. We had told her, you know, Amy, we don't want you to feel an ounce of pressure from us. We will stand with you, whatever you choose to do. We just don't want you to feel any pressure. Mm-hmm. Obviously, if you choose us to raise your daughter, we are honored. Mm-hmm. If you decide to parent, we support you. And Amy had never really been given choices like that before, where people were like, whatever you decide. She would kind of always felt pressured or mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. manipulated in different ways. So that first meeting really knit our hearts together. Yeah. And she and I stayed in touch and she had two boys that were four and two at the time. And she was very overwhelmed. Okay. And I would go and visit her and, you know, hang out with her boys. And when the time came for her to give birth, she actually did not have anyone to watch her children for her. Oh. So they were gonna, you know, go into foster care because she she was going to have a C-section. So we ended up getting certified to be able to watch her children while she was in the hospital and really Mm. get to know her boys on a deeper level. And that was really sweet Mm. for our children, our biological children too, just to have that time Mm -hmm. with the boys. And actually, the boys became really close with us as well. I mean, it was really a sweet time. So anyway, Mia was born, and it was very bittersweet. I felt very torn. We wanted to adopt. But at the same time, we were grieving with Amy. Mm-hmm. We can't even imagine what she was experiencing yes. at that time. But I think that that continued to just knit our hearts together. I mean, it was like, I look at Amy and I, and she's told me before too, like she's my younger sister mm-hmm. and I'm her older sister that she's never had. Mm-hmm. And she filled a space in my heart that I just, I, I didn't even realize was that hole was there, mm. but it was. So over, you know, the next year, we would get together and it actually was just a really precious time. Amy had never been in a home before where mm. it's a mom and a dad mm. and kids and not that we're, you know, she just hadn't been in that kind of fellowship. Was stable yeah, home right. with that
1: kind of. Yeah, mm-hmm. the, the stability and just seeing Hermia with you yeah. all in this setting probably um, also just made her feel like, okay, I made the right choice. Yeah. And continuing that relationship with right. you um, yeah. as
0: well. It just was a really beautiful time. And Amy went through different trials. I got out my journal just to kind of remember, you know, what was going on in 2008 and just all the prayers that we poured out for Amy and then to see where she's at today, she's married and she's had two more children. She went on and got her teaching degree and she just just got a teaching position at a school and, and we have stayed connected and, Each adoption is so unique and each story is so unique. And the common theme is that it's a relationship. You know, this is a person that God brought into our lives that we got to know over time and we built trust with. And Mm. her boys are a huge part of our lives. And Mm. just the way the Lord navigated all of that was just so powerful. And it was like we both gained a whole new family that we would have never imagined possible. And I remember people asking us questions like, so how does this work? How do you do open adoption? And Mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, this is how it worked out for us. And it's not the same story for every family. But for our family, I have a sister, another sister now. And um, her children are a part of our lives. How has it been for Mia to
1: you know, have two moms in her life? And has it been confusing for her
0: at different points Mm -hmm. and um, as she's been growing up? Yeah. You know, so our our precious Mia, she has some learning disabilities and different special needs. And God has given her the most beautiful, gracious heart. Mm. I feel like both my husband and I and our children, she brings so much joy into our family. She's very simple. She doesn't overthink things. She really is joyful pretty much all the time. Mm. And so that's just how she's kind of navigated this whole journey. And okay. it's it's on her level of understanding. And yet the way that she embraces her birth mom, the way she's embraced me as her, her adoptive mom. Mm-hmm. And we learn from her every day. She comes downstairs every day with a huge smile on her face she is the most unique child. She's 11 now and it hasn't been an issue. And I know that's not true for every yeah. child and, but it's unique to our story. And really, you know, after we adopted Mia, she kind of, she gave us courage to keep trying to do this again because <laughs> we were like,
1: okay. we have done it four more
0: times. Yeah, we, <laughs> Yes. So, you know, Mia will sometimes ask questions, but She's just, she goes with the flow. And I feel like with
1: Amy and Mm -hmm. your relationship being such a positive one Mm -hmm. in front of Mia's eyes too, Mm -hmm. like she's able to see, like you said, like for every birth mother Mm -hmm. to give up Mm -hmm. their child for adoption is just heartbreaking and and traumatic. Right. Um, And, you know, nobody wants to make that choice. Mm -hmm. But I feel like, you know, For various reasons, it's a brave choice of love Mm. that she wanted for Mia to to be in such a loving home. And I think for you to really recognize that kind of place and the hardship for Amy. Yeah, I think that really, I don't know, like the brokenness coming through that together, Mm -hmm. um, bonding you all closer and then... For Mia to see the fruit of that, right, and experience that is,
0: and God just, yes, redeeming a lot of the pain for both of us in different ways. Mm -hmm. I mean, Amy and I would talk on the phone, and I remember one time Amy was actually she was grieving, and I was sitting there holding Mia as we're on the phone, and we're both just weeping, you know, because here I am holding Mia, and it's just. I couldn't understand the story at yeah. that time and and actually it was really hard it was hard to be in that position of receiving and it was an interesting time mm-hmm. but Amy and I were real open about those emotions mm-hmm. and you know now 11 years later we can see how God has just navigated and provided for her and for our family and just in different ways. We still see each other about twice a year. You know, she'll bring all her kids and her husband. And it's been a really amazing story. Amy is, she is a hero to me. Mm. And the way that all of our kids have embraced Amy is so powerful. and beautiful. um, So yeah, we're really thankful for the way the Lord orchestrated all those details. And that's just your first adoption? That's (laughs) just the
1: first. Yes. Like you said, each adoption
0: is unique.
1: Mm -hmm. Each journey is unique. And so you have adopted internationally. So this was your first one. It was domestic. And then your other ones, you went to Ethiopia Mm -hmm. for two of them. And then after that, went to China for your last two. And so I'm wondering if you can tell us, how you chose then to go to Ethiopia? How was that different than your your first adoption journey? Maybe
0: some highlights about mm-hmm. that. So, you know, when Mia was probably let's say she was about one, I started feeling like, oh, I feel like we have more children and would love to adopt again. So, originally we had thought about adopting from Ethiopia, and then the social worker kind of changed the direction for us. And so Ethiopia was kind of where we were thinking we would begin again. You know, so much has changed in the adoption world. Ethiopia is now a closed country, but back in, I guess it was like 2009, when we were beginning the journey it was open you know we got connected with an agency you know you could look at these different i don't know if you remember rainbow kids yep yeah yep. where they they would post different kids that were waiting in different mm-hmm. countries and so mm-hmm. actually we saw our daughter ella's picture and we were immediately drawn to her and how old was she she was point? probably about 5 in the picture okay. when we saw her and the reason we were so drawn to her is because she had a club foot and Mike's father, who had passed away before we began all of our adoption Mm -hmm. journeys, he actually was born with club feet and had them fixed when he was, you know, an infant. And so when Mike saw this picture of this little girl with a club foot, he was like, oh, I mean, it was like this instant connection. Mm -hmm. He just thought of his dad. So we began the journey to the process to bring Ella home and redo the home study, redo all the paperwork, (laughs) do our dossier and Mm -hmm. all that paperwork. Um, And it probably took about a year and a half before we brought Ella home. And so by the time we brought her home, she was six. You know, they didn't actually know her exact birth date. So they said we could choose one. And so we actually chose December 10th, which was Mike's dad's birthday, which was just kind of another (laughs) sweet little, you know, part of her journey. So, so yeah, we traveled. At that time, you only went to Ethiopia once you okay. went and met your child and then did all the paperwork, court dates, and then mm-hmm. came home. You were probably there a little over a week. So we brought our oldest son Jonah. He was in eighth grade at that time. Mm-hmm. And Mike and I traveled to go get Ella. I remember seeing her for the first time and and really just even her foot. I mean it was Completely backwards. Oh my goodness! And you just don't see that, you know. Yeah. That's uh, club foot is always fixed as an infant, yeah. and so. But the way that she could get around and the way that she navigated, she just had a lot of spunk. Uh-huh. And you know, we spent about a week in country with her, and we did not have the same language. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was, and also adopting kind of an older child. Mm-hmm.
1: Has its own challenges, right? Right, and you had adopted Mia as an infant, right. so this was
0: completely different. Yes. Completely. You know, the Lord goes before us and Mm -hmm. he prepares the way. And I remember when we landed in Chicago, it was in January. So there was a lot of snow Mm -hmm. and this sweet little girl who had never seen snow, had never, you know. (laughs) Culture shock. Yes, culture (laughs) shock. Yeah. Coming to Chicago, the Lord going before us. I had a dear friend that actually went to the same elementary school that I went to growing mm-hmm. up, and she's from Ethiopia. Oh. And her and her mom um, lived in Wheaton, and they actually were from the same town or region that Ella was from. So they
1: could speak the same language. Yes, to yes. Her. they
0: could speak That's the same huge. language, and they spoke Tigrinya, which is what Ella spoke. And so, very early on, when we brought Ella home, actually, it's so crazy because. When I was probably in fifth grade, I remember, it's Maharet, when Maharet, I remember meeting her for the first time on the playground oh. at school and just seeing her and her mother. I, They had come as refugees mm-hmm. and she was probably the same age Ella was when we brought her home, but oh. I remember just pausing and just looking at these two beautiful child and her mm-hmm, mom and uh-huh. just... I still have that picture in my mind and then to think, okay, so many years later, I would be going back to Ethiopia for a little girl that was about that same age Mm. and Maharat and her mom would be the ones who, they made us Ethiopian food, injera, and they helped translate and they also, they, they helped with hair and all of mm-hmm. that. So mm-hmm. that was just a huge blessing and yes. resource to our family. You know, another little story that I'm just backing up. I remember when we were waiting for Ella, it's just such an unknown. Here's your child that you're praying for that's, you know, all the way around the world. And you, you can't really connect with them, but mm-hmm. you can pray. And I remember I was praying that the Lord would just send angels to just watch over her. Yes. And and I prayed the same
1: yes. prayer for mine and I think when you know your child, you know, already exists and mm-hmm. you're matched and they're out there, it's like every day you're praying God's mm-hmm. protection
0: over them. Right. Watching them because you can't you can't get there fast enough. Right. It's so yes. true. So I had been praying those prayers and we were at the local college in our town and walking around campus and I was with a friend who actually had twin Ethiopian boys and this beautiful young girl approaches us and says here are these boys from Ethiopia and we started talking and she said that her parents are part of this ministry and they go to Ethiopia you know every four months and that they were going to be going back to Ethiopia this next month and I said oh wow how interesting what part of Ethiopia anyway this the same area area (laughs) that our Ella was in Anyway, they ended up going to see her at her orphanage, mm. and they brought a letter and some stuff that in someone translated. Yeah. And, um, and so I had wow. this picture of this husband and wife holding our little Ella. Amazing. Um, they were like the angels, that and they prayed over her. And so you would get these little confirmations along the way yes. that, okay, we are supposed to do this. This isn't crazy. This is going to happen. You know, mm-hmm. it— And it's almost like sweet little
1: gifts that God gives us Mm. with, like you said, like confirmation that this is the right Mm -hmm. path and also that he's going to provide, you know, and answer those prayers Mm. that you're praying. And I feel like with each of your adoptions, I'm sure you feel this way. And we've said this, God goes before us Mm -hmm. and almost like in a way where we don't know there's Parting of the sea almost like Mm -hmm. there's like almost how is this going to happen all of those unknowns and he just step by step like right parts the red sea he does
0: yeah then once we had her home we needed to begin the whole process to Get her foot healed, and so she had
1: multiple surgeries. She I'm sure. did, yeah. Oh.
0: She was such a trooper. So they did the Ponsetti method, which is where you stretch the foot and you through casting. Oh. Um, so for about a year, we would go to her orthopedic doctor, and he would he would stretch her foot, put a new cast on. We'd go home, and then actually. It was kind of a crazy time because we had all our (laughs) other children and her doctor appointment. You know, we'd get them ready for school and then um, I would take Ella to her appointment. But before we went, I actually had to take the cast off which was so crazy. I'm sure it's painful it, Yeah, it was. And, you know, she had to sit on the floor. We'd soak her, her cast. And then I would give her a bath after that. You know, it was a lot of work. And yeah. it, it wasn't easy to get that plaster cast off. I mean, she was such determined a trooper. Girl. Yeah, she was <laughs> determined. And then we would go to the doctor and they would put the cast back on, stretch mm. her foot. So once her foot was basically in the position where it was ready for surgery, then she had surgery and then it was in another long leg cast for a while. Mm. So it was kind of. And that was for a whole year of doing Yeah. That. And then she ended up having another surgery about a year later. Mm. Um, so she, it was, it was a long process, but in some ways it was kind of a sweet time for her to kind of, she was such a go-getter and yeah. pretty active, but almost to just, allow us to take care of her Mm. and um it kind of slowed her down a little bit so that there could be some nurturing yeah you know and
1: I feel like this might be the case for when you adopt an older child and they're used to being independent and having to take care of themselves right just to allow themselves to be parented Mm -hmm. is something they have to kind of Learn, yeah. But through that experience, it sounds like Ella was allowing you all to come mm-hmm. in and take care of her.
0: Yeah, it was a hard time because it was just you know a lot of work and going back and forth from yeah. the hospital. But it was also a good time for just bonding and connecting. And and
1: what do you see in terms of like? Is it's it's scary to adopt a child with special needs, especially like ones that you're aren't familiar with or there's just mm-hmm. so much many unknowns right and when you come home and there's all of these different therapies right. and and appointments if it's medical needs and so i wonder you know you're kind of and you you your other kids too that you've adopted since ella have mm-hmm. different medical needs and right. you can tell us a little bit about that but how have you navigated that i think it's natural to have fears over those things yeah. so how have you navigated the fear of the unknown with these mm. different special needs and what would you tell yeah. someone who is adopting and considering do, mm. am I open to this
0: mm-hmm. child
1: with this kind of special needs
0: when you go into adoption it's important to not have huge expectations the more flexible and willing you are to kind of go with the flow mm. um, is probably the best way to go about it. Um because when we go into any relationship where we have huge expectations or formulas that we're going to use that are going to work, <laughs> I
1: feel like there's expectations we have that we don't even know exactly. that we have until right. they aren't met. Right, and sometimes yeah. that happens, like in the adoption process. Right, like you're like, "Whoa, I yeah. didn't realize I had that expectation." Right, you it's grief certain
0: yeah, things. for sure. Our child has lost so much, and here they're coming into this new setting and they're grieving, you know, and then everyone's kind of just disoriented. You know, we're all trying to figure out the new normal. That's why I shared earlier, just some of the ways the Lord was preparing our hearts Mm -hmm. by getting used to having different people in your home, getting used to having to let go of your schedule yeah. you know just these little bumps in the road that might come trying to learn how to be as flexible as possible yeah. the special needs that our kids have have been areas where we, we have grown so much and mm-hmm. learned so much you know obviously you do all your research and you want to be wise mm-hmm. you know you've got to think about your family and where you're at in life and what you can handle mm-hmm. and do research but at some point you do just have to let go yeah and trust the Lord and there were little things that the Lord was doing to prepare us and just those reminders that I'm with you you know you're you're on the right path and I remember I went to this mother daughter tea it was right before we had Gone to get Ella, and I, I was hesitant about going. I don't know why. I just wasn't excited about going, but ended up going. And the woman who spoke actually was sharing about adoption, oh. and I was like, "Okay, I'm supposed to be here." <laughs> and she had adopted a little girl with a club foot. Oh, so
1: after yeah, <laughs> another god, yeah, thing, another god thing.
0: So after the tea was over. Um, I connected with her, and she ended up giving me the name of the doctor we ended up using, oh, and all of that. So, oh. you have these little things where, like, the Lord is—he is, he is with you mm-hmm. in it, and He's providing. And, and I'm not going to say that there's not moments where you're completely overwhelmed, oh, yeah, and absolutely. you feel like you are the worst parent in the world. You don't know what you're doing, um, but. It's okay. Mm -hmm. We don't have to be Mm -hmm. these perfect parents. I think even just entering in at that level with our kids, you know, okay, you don't know what you're doing. I I don't know know what what I'm I'm doing. doing. (laughs) Thankfully, you know, Ella adjusted pretty well into our family and Mm. um, she's now 16. And just to see, you know, the things that she can do physically and how far she's come, Is pretty amazing.
1: And that, I mean, I know all your kids. Yeah. I feel like each of them have Mm. come such a long Mm -hmm. way in such a short amount of time. Yeah.
0: And, you know, another thing that was kind of, you know, we didn't realize it at the time, but each time we would decide to adopt again, and for the most part, everyone was pretty much on board. Um, I mean, they really were. There might have been a couple or one (laughs) that— In particular, <laughs> the um, same one each time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it was really cool to see the way the Lord would meet our son. It was actually our oldest son, Jonah. Each mm-hmm. time, um, mm-hmm. there was just be this like huge confirmation on the other side of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but to watch our adopted kids, all of our kids, see the excitement about. Bringing home another child, oh, and, and they're like,
1: "This is how this you respond is, to me, right? You, when you me, adopted
0: me, yeah." So it was really sweet for them to kind of be in that position, and you know, be praying for this sibling, and and I often was praying about a lot of different kids. Mm-hmm. Like, how would you feel about? a sibling from or, you know, we would just talk. There was kind of a normal conversation and we would pray for families, for different kids that were waiting for Mm. a long time, kids with special needs. And Mm. so it was neat to see them getting excited, to see Ella, okay, now I'm going to, be the little prayer warrior. And they would often encourage me, mom, you forgot to pray. You forgot oh, to, you know, You so yeah, it was yeah. sweet to see them kind of step into that role. That
1: reminds me of another question mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you about biological kids. And, you know, many of us uh, have biological kids and then mm-hmm. adopt. Were there any things that in that transition, when you first bring an adoptive kid home, the dynamics of your family just change. Mm-hmm. And so how do you help with that transition, especially for your Mm -hmm. biological kids?
0: Yeah. I think it's really, really important for our kids to be exposed before the adoption to all different kinds of kids and having them in the home. And another huge gift in the journey in preparation was world relief is in our town. Mm -hmm. So where we lived, there were all these kids that would just walk by our house before and after school and they would always end up at our house. So, you know, on certain days we'd have like 10 Burmese kids in the backyard and some of them knew English, some of them did not. So Mm -hmm. our kids were, God was preparing them and working. But sometimes you have to create opportunities for your kids to get exposure and to be around kids that may have come from trauma, Yeah, kids that— they don't have all the resources that you have. And the Lord was teaching our kids compassion. Mm-hmm. I remember one time, one Saturday, we get a knock at the door, and there was like 15 Burmese kids, and they ended up coming and playing in the basement. <laughs> but I remember, you know, when they'd come over, like some toys might get trashed, and sometimes communication was hard. Mm-hmm. But So our kids were already beginning to, to have to learn what it's like to... To share share. with... Yeah. Yeah. And and that's a hard lesson to learn. It is. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember at one time, it was before school, and the kids came to come pick up our kids to go to school, and there's this little boy... Um, It was when Jonah was, I think he was like in fourth grade. It was winter in Chicago, so it was cold. And the shoes that he was wearing had a huge hole in the bottom. Um, It was when Jonah was, I think he was like in fourth grade. And I remember Jonah just taking the situation over and went and found a pair of extra boots that we had. And so So it was really like the Lord was beginning to expand their hearts. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sometimes it was annoying, too, when— Mm-hmm. Oh, there's a knock at the door. Oh, there's mm-hmm. 10 kids that want a play date, <laughs> you know? Yeah, and you're in the middle of doing yeah, stuff. Right. Just, yeah, Yeah, it's, it's hard. And maybe our kids would have to clean up the mess after. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. those were ways that the Lord was preparing our kids to kind of get used to randomness and schedules changing at the drop of a hat. You know, it was yeah. helpful. But also it is different to all of a sudden have a sibling in your home every minute for the rest of your lives, yeah. you know, that is like, that's, it's final. Yeah. So our kids have really adjusted well. I'm, I'm really thankful. Mm-hmm. But there have been moments where it has felt like a stretch, mm-hmm. but then there'll be these redemptive moments where you're just like, we could have missed this yes. and yes, the ways that God is shaping each of our hearts in this. Yes,
1: And just like how um, in your family of origin, mm-hmm. it shaped you having adoptive siblings and that was so formative for you and your decision to adopt Mm -hmm. as an adult. Like I kind of feel like what you've in your family now with your kids, it's expanded their hearts. Like you said, Mm -hmm. Um, it's changed their perspective and how they see people Mm -hmm. who may not have the same skin color Mm -hmm. or different. And so like, it's just a huge gift I think for them and how they'll go, you know, and, how they have their own families and how they mm-hmm. form their own families, perhaps,
0: day right. by day. Yeah, it's been a really beautiful journey. And it's interesting, too, because when you bring someone into your home, we all need to change together, mm-hmm. you know, because mm-hmm. it isn't like, okay, now you're, it's time for you to just become just like us. That's been a really beautiful piece of it, too. I mean, we all have to adapt and yeah. change in different ways yeah. as we, live in diversity you know I mean there's beauty that can come when you kind of accept that Mm -hmm. I think if you have these really strong ideas yeah of what you thought it
1: was going to look like can you give an example of like a way in which rather than like your adoptive child always adapting to Mm -hmm. the way that your family has always done certain things but maybe how your whole family had to adapt together
0: mm-hmm. yeah well definitely the special needs part mm-hmm. has you know physically kind of slowed us down a little bit mm-hmm. you know we have a handicap sticker now and things take a lot longer mm-hmm. um, just getting out the door yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah but the Lord was kind of even preparing us in our early adoptions for Mia didn't walk till she was two and she was pretty heavy (laughs) to lug Mm -hmm, around mm -hmm. and then on to having Ella who couldn't walk for a couple years and we Mm -hmm. had a handicap sticker and then on to later on our last adoption of Our daughter Hope, who, when we brought her home at the age of seven, we didn't know if she'd ever be able to walk. And so, in those different ways, you know, watching one of our kids have to walk super slow, holding someone's hand because, you know, they can't keep up. And Mm -hmm. I remember when we first brought Ella home. You know, we didn't have the surgeries right away and her foot wasn't fixed right away. Mm -hmm. But the only kind of shoes that would work on her feet were these kind of like an UGG type boot. Mm -hmm. You know, it was winter, but it would literally be facing backwards, you know. And so people would stop us and say, oh, your your daughter's boot is on the wrong foot. But our kids would kind of navigate that and Mm -hmm. kind of like, oh, no, 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 you know. Sometimes they would have a conversation well mm-hmm. she has a club foot, and they were so sweet about it. I mean, mm-hmm. they really were protective of mm-hmm. their siblings. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think those are some ways that you know, we had to all adjust. and I think the slowing down one is kind of like when you're in a big family, sometimes you you need to go, 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 yeah, yeah, and for me, it was good for me to have to slow down and not rush everywhere and be a little more reflective and you kind of see things from a different perspective when mm-hmm. you slow down. They're already making all these changes when they come into our family. Yeah. You know, I mean, everything. Yeah. Food, clothing, um, language and the loss of their country. Yeah. And I feel like that process of learning that, it
1: can be slower for some members of mm-hmm. the family than others. And I feel like there has, at least in my in our family, a little bit of resentment mm-hmm. of the slowing down part right. that you're talking about, yeah. of having to share, of having to, you know, of learning those lessons that sometimes take a little bit longer, mm-hmm. but have come, you right. know, in time. Yes. And they're lessons worth learning, even they if are. it takes time and, and you do have to, you know, push through right. some of that resentment. Because yeah. it's hard to get nobody, you know, no matter how old you are, to have to let go of things that were in your control right. or in your, you
0: know that you didn't have to share right. before. Yeah. And sometimes yeah. it just takes time to really trust the Lord for the whole picture. Mm-hmm. You, you know, it may be a season that is just really hard. Yeah. And there's one child who's just going through a hard time yeah. and not understanding The calling, Mm -hmm. (laughs) or you know, Mm -hmm. but just to trust the Lord. And so, right before we were going to China to bring Jude home, uh, Jonah had a good friend who was going through major trauma in his family and loss. And so, Jonah really needed us as parents to be there. And so, we were just torn. Here we are leaving for China the next week. And Mm my heart is just like so broken for Mm -hmm. him and all of this. And I remember Jonah saying, why are we even adopting again? And you know, Mm -hmm. how, how can you leave your son at a moment like this? And Mm -hmm. like, my heart was shattered. I mean, and so in that moment, you know, we, we just felt like the Lord had brought us this far and yes we have to move forward and I had to just trust him in the Lord's hands and so that journey to bring our little guy Jude home those 17 days in China Jude he was three at the time and the language barrier was hard he was very He's very smart, and mm-hmm. so it was a rough seventeen days. And
1: then you had Jonah at home, Yeah. we were also really worried yes. about. I'm like, <laughs>
0: how is this going to work? And so Jude, when we were in China, really did not want us to touch him. He just did not like any of us. Yeah, he was uh, grieving. He in was a big grieving. Way. Yeah. Then when we got home to Chicago, we I remember coming in our home, and we had just had one of the roughest. Uh, trips I've ever experienced with him. Mm -hmm. He did not sleep. He was just, it was really rough. And so we come home to our house and our son Jonah is sitting on the chair and our little Jude walks up to him gets in his lap, which is crazy. This is like a miracle and falls asleep in his lap and just what? rests. And I was like, okay, Lord, it's going to be okay. It's going to be a journey. Yeah. It's not like it yeah. was easy from the moment, from that moment on, Right. you know, but you get these little glimmers, glimmers. Yeah. yeah, of hope and of just reassurance that the Lord is with you in this mm-hmm. and it is a hard journey, but when you taste And see the goodness Mm -hmm. of the Lord and you sense his presence with you. Yeah. It's something that you you wouldn't exchange for anything in this world, you know? And that really brought some healing to Jonah's heart, too. Mm -hmm. That okay, the Lord has ordained this and He He's with me in this suffering that he was just going through. And yeah, so that was a really another powerful way that the Lord just That's amazing. Provided for one of our biological
1: kids that was questioning. That's such a good word, Sasha. Thank you. And we have so much more to talk about that we haven't covered yet. So I hope you all will tune in next week when Sasha shares how God brought even deeper healing to their family through the gift of a little girl named Hope.
0: If you're enjoying our show, please take a moment and help us spread the word. Share about it on social media, or leave us a rating and review on iTunes. It really helps people find the show.
1: Adopting Hope is a production of Christianity Today. It was produced by Mike Cosper, Joyce Dalrymple, and Sasha Parker. It was edited and mixed by Alex Carter. Our theme song, We've Got
0: This Hope, was by Ellie Holcomb. We'll be back next week with another story. Thanks for listening.